Turn up the volume, turn up the flavour. Wings, beers and sporting glory. Only at Winghouse. You're listening to the All-American Hour with Geordie and the Chief. Good morning. Welcome to the All-American Hour with Geordie and the Chief this uh, Thursday morning here on SEN. Day number four of our daily Super Bowl episodes heading into Super Bowl 58 between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. Great to be here in your company, all thanks to Winghouse, the best seats and beers always guaranteed. We have a big show on the way today. We'll go through our top five as we always do each morning. We'll have a further look at the teams as we build up towards the match now. We are getting into the nitty-gritty and so having a look at the at the teams and the key players that will have an impact on the match come Monday Australian time. We'll do a little uh, whip around of the other sports in America, but we also will have a special interview for you later on. Eric Kramer, former NFL quarterback who played through the 80s and 90s with the Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears most predominantly and has an incredible life story to tell. Uh, he'll be joining us live on, on Radio Row from Las Vegas but the man who is there right now is the Chief, David Alcaro. Morning, Chief. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Um, it's just, uh, it's gotten a lot more packed in here. Um, <laughs> the space that we had is now uh, not nearly as, uh, as, as much. And, and there's a radio show right on top of us. And the guy is extremely loud. So you can probably hear him almost as well as me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it sounds, it sounds busy in the background now. So it's pretty much yeah. every, every table full now. Um, uh, the majority of the tables are full, but there's more tables. That's what they did. They, they were somehow able to jam some more tables in, even to the point where um, uh, I, I couldn't find it because we're completely, in, I think, moved and uh, slightly moved. And it's a madhouse. There's a guy to the right of me with one of those really big hats. I don't know if you've ever seen those, those oversized hats that kind of look silly. So I'm, I'm actually probably in their shot behind a guy with, like, one of these massive baseball caps. All right. You need, you need something to stand out now, Chief. You need a, you know, a loud shirt or a big hat yourself just to uh, to make yourself prominent. I do have a Sharon right next to me. You know, oh, there you so, go. And a nice big big Australian flag out front. So, um, yeah, we're, we're trying to represent and show off uh, who we are at SEN. Excellent, excellent. Oh, good to hear. Have you, uh, how have you spent the day in Las Vegas? What was on the agenda? Um, well, yesterday, you know, I, I'm a big believer in, 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 in the, the walking. It's a mileage. I mean, I can't believe how many miles I've walked. Um, and just leaving the media center, I didn't want to walk all the way to the Uber. It's a literally mile walk. So I always believe in the bus, like get on the bus, get out. So I get on a bus figuring it's going to go to the media hotel. But no, it's going out to Henderson, Nevada, out to Lake Las Vegas, about half an hour trip to the San Francisco 49ers um, a hotel and their media availability. So I, you know, I had nothing to do. I rolled with it and uh, ended up out there, uh, listened to Kyle Shanahan's uh, press conference, and got a little tiny clip from uh, Juwan Jennings. The boss had five uh, other me- media members, so I was like, oh, yeah, hopefully it won't be too crowded there, and uh, I might be able to get some nice uh, inputs. But um, the Brock Purdy. Uh, podium had probably literally 35 cameras and there was just no way of getting in so i spoke to juan jennings uh, the wide receiver for the uh, san francisco 49ers a former tennessee uh, volunteer so that was one of the reasons why i wanted to speak to him but sadly he was the uh, you know the only p- p- uh, uh, podium i can get close to so that was really the story there oh that's all right we got uh, we've got a bit of juan jennings to play a little later on in the program but it was uh, good to have uh, you out there, I suppose, and get another voice on the show from the uh, from the players that will be on the field 
um, at Allegiant Stadium in a couple of days from now. We had uh, Justin Watson and Tommy Townsend yesterday from the Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, I, uh, I appreciate the endeavour from you, uh, Chief. It's been that's been great. Um, oh, go ahead. I was going to say thank you, and oh, that was just the afternoon. The evening was the the media party, uh, which was uh, oh. quite an event. Yeah, I can. Uh, yeah, it was at the the Grand Prix uh, Arena or Pavilion, the new thing they built for the F1, and it's uh, it was massively long. So again, it was mileage going through the party, but it was uh, three levels. Uh, the first level was, uh, and when you first got there, you just kind of thought that was the only venue. And it was a kind of tribute to Las Vegas sports. And then there was all these eateries outside, and the weather was cold and rainy, so we're thinking, oh, this is maybe not going to be the best thing. But then we went to level two, which was the throwback to the 1960s uh, uh, Las Vegas with cover bands playing modern songs in that style, a little swingy, uh, and just great food, and, uh, you know, obviously, you know, whatever you wanted to drink. Uh, the only thing was it was a little hard to mingle. It was, you know, a bit loud. Uh, it was hard to kind of uh, meet people, but, uh, and it was also a lot of walking. And then the third level was modern, like kind of futuristic Vegas. Neon lights, robotic type characters walking around, um, so it was kind of an idea of like what Vegas was and what I think Vegas will, will probably be and kind of is, uh, you know, the club scene, um, the very modern uh, lights and uh, effects. So, yeah, that was the media party, and that um, yeah, was a, a really fun experience. We're really uh, a lot of great food. That was really the highlight. Excellent. That's fantastic. Who are you, uh, who are you rolling with? Are you hanging out with Jared and, and producer Joel, or you, uh, have you got friends there that you know? Uh, you know, I was kind of rolling solo a bit. You know, I ran into some people I knew. I ran into an old friend uh, I used to to work with. Um, and uh, the, I believe, those, yeah, those guys were at the hockey last night. They went to the uh, Vegas Golden Knights versus uh, Edmonton Oilers and got I think, treated to a really uh, good close game. Um, so, yeah, you know, I was, uh, ran into some of the other uh, Australian uh, media members, but we kind of, like, I was going to meet back up, but it was hard to find anybody. And I met some people early that I was trying to re reconnect with, and it was impossible. It was just such a massive uh, space, so long. Uh, just the length of whatever their stretch is there, um, uh, they're, they're, they're straight away uh, on the F1 circuit. Have you seen media from uh, uh, other nations around the world? Oh, lots. Yeah, the big hack guys are Mexico, um, I was, there was also, yeah, there was, uh, table games and, and different, uh, all for fun betting, you know, betting so you could kind of bet for, uh, and I, there was a poker game I sat down, it was a Brazilian, uh, I think one from Spain, you know, uh, yeah, it's, uh, and we should talk about Brazil because the NFL announced that they'll be playing a game in Brazil, uh, the second game of the season, uh, the, the Philadelphia Eagles will be hosting a game. Uh, in Brazil against the uh, team yet to be named. So very uh, interesting in how much the NFL wants to grow internationally. Yeah, so this is now uh, of the current sort of roster, the, the fourth, I think, nation that they've gone around to. So they've played games in uh, in England, Mexico, Germany, and, and now Brazil of recent times. There might have been more in the past, but of the of the current sort of rotation, uh, that's, that's Brazil added to the list now for international games. Yeah, a uh, little, yeah, a bit of a surprise. I didn't hear that coming, but uh, great idea. You know, huge population, uh, same, you know, similar time zones, so yeah. easy for television viewing um, and e easier for the travel because uh, 
we'd, you know, obviously I think uh, the NFL would love to play a game in Australia, but the, the travel, the time difference, how to, to put that into an NFL schedule is quite tricky. Uh, over the uh, course of this week, we've been doing our, our top five. We'll do top five uh, MVP contenders because the NFL honors is now, is it tomorrow your time? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, yes. Thursday. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always have to adjust for our days, your days. Yes, yeah. I believe it is. Yes. Yeah, tomorrow night is, uh, is NFL honors. So we'll have the MVP uh, and all the other awards listed in Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookies, uh, Coach of the Year, etc. Comeback Player of the Year, which will be an interesting one. But uh, I think the top five we'll do later on will be, uh, we'll get your list of, uh, of top five MVP contenders uh according to your opinion from uh, from this season, uh, head of the NFL Honours tomorrow. Um, we'll have Eric Kramer on the show as well later on. He was a, a former NFL quarterback, uh, played uh, predominantly through the 80s and 90s, main, mainly with uh, Detroit and Chicago, also had spells at Atlanta and San Diego as well. But um, he's written a book called The Ultimate Comeback, and he'll be our guest uh, later on at, um, at about quarter two, which will be uh, which will be. Um, a fascinating story, firstly. His, his life story is, is incredible. I mean, his, his off-field life story is, is uh, incredible in comparison to his on-field uh, stories. Do you remember much from, from Eric Kramer when he was at uh, Detroit and Chicago? Oh, absolutely. Certainly Detroit. Uh, really the best era of Detroit Lions football, I believe, in, in my lifetime since, uh, you know, the, the one moment with Matthew Stafford, they were pretty good. And then obviously the current uh, Detroit Lions, uh, very good. But uh, no, certainly he was a quarterback, I think, for a good chunk of the Barry Sanders era. Uh, Barry Sanders, one of the greatest, if not the greatest running back in the history of the NFL. It's often it's a very heavy debate, but um, I'm sure uh, I think that Eric Kramer weigh in on his uh, former teammate. Uh, let's have a quick look at the... Uh, yesterday we started our, our sort of unit breakdown, I suppose, of the, uh, of the two teams, um, the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers, and we started by looking at special teams and, and defense. Um, I think today we'll do, we'll do the offense now. It makes sense. We'll, we'll move up in the, uh, in the units. We'll do quarterbacks tomorrow. We'll, we'll get into the uh, nitty-gritty of uh, Patrick Mahomes and, and Brock Purdy tomorrow, but... Uh, the skill position is always the uh, is always the the thing that everyone wants to see, and everyone wants to see all the the great wide receivers, running backs, and in particular tight ends for these teams do well. And um, and these two tight ends that we'll be seeing, Travis Kelsey and um, and Eric, uh, pardon me, and um, and uh, and um, George George Kittle. Kittle thank you. Yeah. I was trying to think of his first name. George Kittle yeah. um, <laughs> will uh, will be. I mean, they are the two best tight ends uh, in the league, and they'll be having a massive impact, I'm sure, on Monday. Oh, certainly. Um, yeah, huge weapons and the receiving game. I think the the edge, George Kittle, is he's also a fantastic blocker. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the wide receivers is really going to be a big part of the San Francisco defense is to limit Travis Kelsey just because the other weapons aren't really there. Where George Kittle, you know, he's going to be hard to defend and then there's some receivers out there that are also hard to defend so uh edge to, to san francisco because of the wide receivers will improve the uh situation for the um uh you know the, the tight ends here's is there a better tight end between the two of them or is it hard to split kelsey and kittle uh, it's really hard to split them uh, 
Yeah, I'm sorry. The other, I'm realizing the other mic is on. That's why it's so loud in here. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, no, no. Uh, it's really hard to split them. Obviously, Travis Kelsey, one of the all-time great uh, receiving tight ends, uh, where Kittle has the edge more on the, on the blocking side. Is there a uh, – the running game is is also – I mean, this will be in particular uh, important for the San Francisco 49ers with Christian McCaffrey uh, being one of the best running backs in the league. Um, he's probably been one of the best running backs over the last sort of five years, I guess, in the NFL. The Kansas City Chiefs have got an effective running game, but maybe not the, the, the absolute skill that McCaffrey possesses um, in, their, uh, in their group of, of running backs with uh, Isaiah Pacheco and also Clyde edwards Ilaire. Uh, I think you've turned your mic off now, Chief. Right, yeah. There we go. <laughs> okay, yeah, the, the running backs, I, I mean, obviously, yeah, McCaffrey's just got such a massive edge, and it's just so much skill position edge to, to San Francisco. Um, so much of that is that Christian McCaffrey is, you know, maybe the best running back in the league. Isaiah Pacheco is probably right, you know, in the middle, mid-pack, and Clyde edwards Hilaire, uh, you know, is a solid... Backup, a bit of a disappointment coming out of LSU in college. Uh, really, kind of thought he would be a, a much bigger uh, star, a major impact with Patrick Holmes under the Andy Reid system. Because Andy Reid usually likes to use the running back as a wide receiver. Mm. So, uh, yeah, uh, big edge though on the running back side to San Francisco. There we go. So the rushing and the passing. And receiving from uh, the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. A couple of text messages that have come through. 0433981116 off the 40 Winks temper text here, Chief. Uh, Geordie and the Chief, I'm writing this while I'm getting ready for work. Uh, I love the fact that you're on every morning. Uh, thank you. Uh, Justin Geelong writes this. Chief, uh, with all the talk about Purdy being a game manager and Mahomes in the GOAT conversation, do you think Purdy has big enough brass ones to take it up to the Chiefs? and actually prove he is a genuine quarterback and not an afterthought. Love your work, love the show, says Justin. Uh, yeah, you know, the question that I think everyone's uh, trying to answer and really will decide the game, I think, in a lot of uh, cases. I, I think it's almost certain, well, can Brock Purdy make the plays? I, I think he can. I think just judging by the way his teammates are talking about him, judging by the way the head coach Kyle Shanahan talks about him, and just to get this to this point, being you know Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft, um, I, I think he does have uh, the brass ones. And I, 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 again, part of the reason why I, I can overcome uh, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and, and tip the, the 49ers to win this game. Do you think? Um, do you think Brock Purdy's been almost um, not not disrespected, but almost like? Underrespected in a way this this season for what he's done and, and his ability that he's shown on field. Oh, absolutely! And it, it's so tricky making football debates because it's so chicken and the egg with uh, offenses and how they succeed. How much of it is the offensive line? How much of it is the head coach, the play caller, uh, or the play caller? In this case, it's the same person in Kyle Shanahan. Uh, how how much of it is the skill position players? Uh, so the stats and, and the success is all based on the team and offense. And obviously the quarterback is going to get the most credit, the most blame, and the most visible statistics. And Brock Purdy's statistics are outrageously good, historically good. Um, 
because of how potent the offense has been. And, you know, how much of that is credit to him? How much of that? Yeah, obviously, you got to credit him some. So that's the debate. Is And he does have a lot of haters. He does have a lot of people that think that he's just uh, succeeding because of the system he's in. And that other quarterbacks, given the same chance, he could even be better. But he's succeeding. And that's the bottom line. He's staying healthy. And uh, he's got a lot to prove, though, because this is the game and the moments that uh, you have to come through uh, for your history and legacy. And then also, you know, he's so young in his career, building from this. Um, a loss could be very, very tough and could really set him back. As a continuation of, of our previous segment, we were talking about the, the skill position players, but you mentioned they're the offensive line. Um, how much is there? Is there an edge on the offensive line? Is there one that's better than the other? Or is there one that has performed better, do you think, um, in the playoffs this season between these two sides? Uh, you know, probably, again, the, the 49ers maybe slightly better. They certainly have a little bit more star power with uh, Trent Williams, the biggest name of all the offensive linemen uh, uh, on both teams, a potential future Hall of Famer. And he missed when the games that he missed this season were the games the 49ers lost. So, you know, that's why it's so hard with the MVP debate. Both Debo Samuel and Trent Williams missed the games they lost, pretty much won every other game. Uh, mm-hmm. The 49ers just have been that dominant. Uh, but the, the Chiefs' uh, offensive line is very solid. Uh, I, I think they're, they're really quite even. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the Chiefs' pass protection probably comes into play more with, with Mahomes uh, being as, um, as as mobile as he is. I've had to obviously adapt to that and and, and, and play to how he's – play to his strengths, essentially. But the 49ers probably have the best um, – the, the best ability, I guess, to, to open up the gaps for for their for their rushing players like Christian McCaffrey. I mean, some of the some of the holes that were being opened up in the um, in the NFC Championship game against Detroit, just for McCaffrey to sort of walk through, uh, were incredible. So they've both got their own strengths in their own unique ways, I guess, for how they play and the, and, their, and the strengths of their offense. Yeah, uh, and and they, yeah, they they are unique in that sense. Um, they're, they're both very. That's the the, the Mahomes' uh, ability to run is certainly just a a huge factor. They've been so key in uh, the playoff games. Him getting these these first downs uh, when you know they try to do everything they can to you know they they've got Kelsey double teamed, and then they've got the other receivers covered, and then there's some room for Mahomes. And uh, but Brock Purdy had three huge runs in that NFC Championship game against the Detroit Lions to get first downs in in big moments. So. Uh, you can't uh, look past Brock Purdy's ability to run. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers. What have you? What do you make of their receiving group? Because obviously Travis Kelsey's a tight end, so he's a receiver as well. But uh, you've got uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, Justin Watson, uh, Rasheed Rice, the rookie. Um, that that's sort of your main three. They they are starting three on the depth chart, and you compare that to the San Francisco 49ers who have got. Just absolute stars in, in Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and then also Jawan Jennings, who we'll hear from in a second. But um, but but those three Kansas City wide receivers, I mean, the name power isn't quite there when you've got Ayuk and, and Debo on, on the 49ers side. But is the efficiency there from the Kansas City Chiefs? It hasn't been. It's a much maligned group. Uh, Kadarius Tony was part of it early, and he was really uh Caused lots of problems and drops, and um, but it, Rasheed Rice has really come on as a rookie and someone who can can make some plays, and he's been very very strong, uh, but still someone that 
in, you know, it's a uh, big game for someone with that little experience. Now, Marcus Valdez-Scantling has quite a bit of experience playing uh, with the Green Bay Packers and, and Aaron Rodgers and had a very difficult regular season, but has made a couple big catches in the playoffs and, I, and wouldn't put it by him to have another big uh, catch in this game. It just seems like he's set up to either have a big play or a big drop, I feel like. Uh, and that could be also one of the key ga- moments of the game is does Valdez Scantley make that big 50-yard play or does he drop a great opportunity to score or score a touchdown or have a big play? Um, so I think that's a big one. And, you know, Justin Watson, who I spoke to, very solid, uh, has experience, has a lot of Super Bowl, uh, you know, experience with the team last year and ha- being a member of that Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. Um, can make a big play too you know i just uh uh, i i think he's got a chance to do something in the super bowl on the kansas city side uh yeah uh just um uh, tim uh from brighton says a lot depends on monday's result but uh is brock purdy's 49ers better than jimmy g's super bowl 49ers from a couple of years ago oh yeah i think so and that's um aside from the quarterback i think um you know, Debo Samuel becoming more of a, be- a veteran. Brandon Ayuk, who's a really great wide receiver um, for the 49ers, he's much better than they had Emmanuel Sanders as their number two uh, back then. And, I, you know, I think the defense is a little better. Uh, yeah. You know, even with, like, the addition of Chase Young, who's you know, some people have been questioning his uh, uh, effort. So you'd like to think he makes a lot of effort in this game. So maybe Chase Young can make a big play. It does feel like this 49ers team is even better. And I think Brock Purdy is, I think, got a little edge on Jimmy G. So, again, um, a lot of reasons to like uh, the 49ers in this game. One thing the 49ers have done, we, I mentioned it briefly yesterday, but I'm happy for you to expand here, is uh, is the way that they've recruited players from other teams. I mean, every team does it. The, you know, the, the Chiefs have done it as well. But... The way the 49ers have done it, they've really built their success on those plays that they've brought in. I mean, look no further than Christian McCaffrey, who they, they plucked out of uh, the Carolina Panthers not that long ago. And uh, and he's, I mean, he was already a great player at the at the Panthers, but he's become, you know, one of the best players in, in the entire league and, and to a higher scale now that he's at the 49ers. Plus, on their defense, they've they brought in the likes of Javon Hargrave and, and Chase Young, as you mentioned, in recent years to just help bolster what is an already uh, immense defense. Um, of course, they've, they've had their own players that they've drafted and, and brought in, like Ayuk and, uh, and Debo Samuel, and they've developed themselves. But their, their ability to, to pull the big name and to, to just really boost their team by doing that has been um, second to none. Yeah, and, and trading isn't that common in the NFL. So much of uh, player acquisition is in the free agency period, but they made a big trade in acquiring Christian McCaffrey and gave up some draft picks. Uh, there was obviously some contract situation there too, uh, but it's paid off, obviously. And some question early in, in Christian McCaffrey's career about staying healthy and staying on the field, which he did all for all, but I think one bit of a game um, this season. So they were able to pull the trigger. General Manager John Lynch has been done an excellent job there and, uh, and continues to. Chief, uh, we're going to have a look at the, uh, the top five players of the season. We've been doing a top five um, every day this week, and our top five today is uh, essentially who we think the top five players will be uh, going into, uh, into favoritism tomorrow at NFL Honours to win the MVP award for this 2023-24 uh, season. Um, so, uh, your thoughts on, on who you think the top five best players from this NFL season just gone have been? 
Well, you know, MVP and best player are very different things. Um, and how the voting is going to go and who's going to win is going to be a little different than the list I I'm going to give. I'm going to give my what I think are the most valuable players this season um, and and not be as quarterback heavy. But it's, uh, Lamar Jackson is going to win. I mean, almost certainly I think his odds are like he's like a dollar five to win uh, the MVP. So um, almost certainly going to see Lamar Jackson get that trophy. Uh, the uh, w voting was done after the end of the regular season. So postseason is uh, um, not counted in the uh, consideration for MVP. Uh, but I'm, uh, first, I'm going to have a list of five, but I'm going to honorable mention uh, for Patrick Mahomes, who really is truly the most valuable player every season. Yeah. Um, by numeric numbers, if he were to miss the game, uh, the point spread would move for any other more than any other player in the league. And it's not a knock on Blaine Gabbard, his backup quarterback, who's probably the average, maybe a little, a little bit of above average backup quarterback. And you know, haven't seen him play in forever because Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, knock on wood for Chiefs fans, ha doesn't ever really miss a snap. Uh, and there's a bunch of times it looks like he's he. He turned into something or hurt something. He's just uh, such a uh, uh, injury-free career so far for Patrick Mahomes. But he's the most valuable player. Now, he didn't have the most valuable season. It wasn't a great season for him. A little bit more of a game manager at times. A lot of that was the lack of weapons. So um, Patrick Mahomes, honorable mention. Uh, number five, uh, Cleveland Browns. Uh, uh, pass rusher, uh, edge rusher, Miles Garrett. I'm going to go with one defensive player. Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to win defensive player of the year. I'm, I believe he's certainly uh, one of the finalists. Uh, but I just think how much pressure he puts on other teams to really double him really makes that Cleveland Browns defense that we talked uh, so much about this season and their success go. And he can be a game wrecker, but a lot of times he can't even wreck the game because the other team is uh, preventing him from that, but it allows them to cover an extra wide receiver or blitz another player. And again, that's so much of the team sport. Uh, when it's 11 on 11 and one guy takes up two, uh, it starts really uh, imbalancing. And those are special players. Mm -hmm. And number four is another guy that really can take up two. And uh, Tyreek Hill, wide receiver, Miami Dolphins. If he didn't get hurt towards the end of the season, they probably win the division for sure. Yep. And he's probably number one on this list. Uh, so the injury uh, certainly moved him back a little bit and hurt Miami uh, going forward. But Tyreek Hill, the wide receiver, anytime he touches the ball, it could go for for six for a touchdown, I and mean, without a doubt, and he's so hard to defend, uh, and really a very key missing piece of this Chiefs offense. Just again rewatching the the rematch, uh, the the game from uh, four years ago. Uh, huge play by Tyreek Hill in that, in that game, and it's going to have to be Rasheed Rice or <laughs> MVS or, or Justin Watson or one of the other receivers for the uh, Chiefs if they're going to make they're going to win this game. Uh, someone's going to have to step up uh, and kind of fill what, what Tyreek Hill had done. So at number three on the list of most valuable players, I'm going to go with Josh Allen, quarterback, uh, Buffalo Bills. Uh, counts for almost every touchdown, really. You think about how many touchdowns he throws and then how many touchdowns he runs in, how much yardage he accounts for. Just uh, so much of that offense is just so dependent on him and what he can do. And they had a, a great regular season, had a great end to the regular season, went from about a 5% chance to making the playoffs to winning the division. So, uh, again, great regular season for, for Josh Allen, but obviously uh, very disappointing and 
with the playoff loss at home to the Kansas City Chiefs. And number two, again, someone who counts for almost all their team offense, uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, quarterback, Baltimore Ravens. I'm putting him in number two, but he's going to win the MVP award. Had just a fantastic season. Uh, Baltimore Ravens, great record, number one seed in the AFC. But once again, disappointing end to their playoffs uh, and a disappointing end of their season. So uh, Lamar Jackson, I'm going to put him at number two. I'm going to put number one, uh, Christian McCaffrey, uh, San Francisco 49ers running back. I just think uh, if you take him off the offense, I think it's the biggest. Um, Trent Williams is right there with him and Debo too. But their offense was so overpowering and so much of it is Christian McCaffrey, but not just in the run game, but in the receiving and, and what he's able to do. Um, as a receiver, make huge plays down the field. And, uh, yeah, I really think uh, that uh, Christian McCaffrey was was the most valuable player this season. There you go. The top five best players this season, most valuable players, according to the Chief uh, this morning in our top five for the season. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. if you have a thought uh, of who your top five players are as well. I had um, – I sort of threw a few names in there myself. Lamar Jackson – and Christian McCaffrey for me as well. We're one and two. Uh, Dak Prescott had a good season for the Dallas Cowboys. I had Tyreek Hill uh, right up there in the top five as well. I thought Brock Purdy also was very good. He was in um, MVP uh, conversation during the season. But um, I think, yeah, as far as who the most important and, and best player is on that offense at the 49ers, undoubtedly it's it's Christian McCaffrey. But I thought Purdy's season was good. I thought C.D. Lamb had his best season as well. I think the, the connection between... Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb on that Cowboys offense was probably one of the best one-two punches in the league. Uh, obviously, it fell pretty short um, in the playoffs when they were when they were rolled by the Green Bay Packers. But um, <clears throat> pardon me, for most of the season, that was that was almost an unbreakable connection. Uh, I also had Deron Bland as well, uh, the cornerback from from the Dallas Cowboys, who stepped up and uh, had I think it was six intercept or six interceptions or pick sixes, six pick sixes, I think it was for the. Yeah. Uh, for the season, which is just incredible. Yeah, and a lot that, more than, than many, many offensive players in the league. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, he had, he had more pick sixes in a season than, than some defense. Like, more pick sixes in a season than, than good defensive players will have in their whole career, um, which is incredible. Deron Bland and, and Miles Garrett as well, uh, the obvious uh, selection there on, on defense. Um, so, yeah, a few of the names there. Patrick Mahomes, I agree with with you as well, and Josh Allen, of course. But, um, but yeah, a couple of names there. But uh, your top five for uh, for the, uh, the the best players this season with the NFL Honours Night coming up um, tomorrow. So it'll be Thursday, Thursday night in the States, so Friday morning. So it'll be, yeah, tomorrow morning, I believe. No, I can't work out the time difference. Anyway, it'll be Friday Australia time at some point. Keep an eye out. And it is a pleasure to introduce uh, live from Radio Row in Las Vegas. Uh, Chief, this is our first ever guest, a live guest uh, on the All-American Hour, so it's an honour to welcome uh, former NFL quarterback, uh, predominantly with the Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears, also was at Atlanta and San Diego for uh, for a couple of years there. Eric Kramer to the All-American Hour. Morning, Eric, how are you? Good morning. Uh, I'm noticing here your Australian rules football sitting on the table. As though we're going to have a game or something. Is that possible? <laughs> if you want. How, how do you reckon you'll You'd go? You'd have to you... kick it, though. You can't, so, yeah. you can't throw it forward. You uh, have to no, kick I, it. I've seen it when I was a kid yeah, growing up. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. How are you enjoying the week so far in, in Vegas? I just got here last night, and uh, it's, you know, it's Vegas. So 
I'm not a uh, on the strip person, so it's just uh, another city to me at this point. But and it's during the day, so as you know, Vegas doesn't light up until night. Yeah, exactly. How many uh, how many Super Bowls have you been to? Um, I've actually only well, let's see. When I was with Fox, I actually covered a couple. Um, both Patriot wins. One was in Houston against Carolina, I believe, and the other was in Jacksonville. And I can't remember who that was against. But anyway, so then then I went to one um, at SoFi in L.A. when the Rams actually won it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I've, this is a couple radio rows now. I've done actually a third one uh, in a row. So, um, yeah, it's fun being around. You spent uh, about 10 years in the league, Eric, 83 games. You had 67 starts, <clears throat> pardon me, from those uh, from those 83 games. So, uh, you had a great spell uh, in the league and, and mainly with, uh, or most, probably most notably with the Detroit Lions for a couple of years there where you led uh, the Lions to a, a playoff victory in uh, 1992. And up until this season, that was the last time the Lions had, had won a playoff game. So I guess how proud are you as a, as a former Lion to see the Lions go on, on one of their deepest uh, playoff runs this season? Well, as you would imagine, it's almost like a proud parent. So seeing a kid do well. And I remember uh, this one of the, the first playoff game. Uh, Kevin Glover and I was a former. He was a center back in that, those days. Um, he goes, you know, for the first few years, having won a playoff game was kind of cool, and having been the only one to do it in quite a while was cool. But then, year after year after year, now it's time. And it just so happened that that night was the time. So it's very cool to see. And not only that game, the game, the next one. And then we should really be talking today about the Detroit Lions chances in the Super Bowl. So, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, there was that second half. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have to, yeah, add Eric's wearing a nice uh, Detroit Lions golf shirt. So uh, he's representing uh, the Detroit Lions very well. Um, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I wouldn't. You know, Jordy asked, what are your memories? I said, oh, yeah, it was the last time the lines were good. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, you played more games with the Bears in Chicago. But, yeah, uh, yeah you're representing the Lions. And uh, I do have to ask about your teammate there, Barry Sanders. Uh, if not the greatest, one of the greatest running backs of all time, a great debate. Uh, how is it like uh, handing the ball off to him? Well, entertaining. <laughs> so he could go, Barry is one of those guys who could go one on 11 and be just fine. Uh, and was probably better at that than he would have been. You know, there was always when, during that time, it was, you know, who's better, him or Emmett Smith? And I don't think, because that's the offense we ran in Chicago, uh, that running game anyway. And I don't think that uh, that would have been Barry's best, you know, power O is not Barry's play. Right. And that was that offense. And uh, so, but Barry, in terms of taking the ball, and making three guys miss before he even got to the line of scrimmage was unique. And obviously he, I was watching one of those top 10 things of all time. And this one happened to be top 10 running backs. And they would show plays of each guy. And I remember one, one guy goes, you know, you could make a top 10 runs of all time. And all 10 would be buried. And he's <laughs> probably right. I just one more question before we get to the the, the book, the ultimate comeback. Uh, I'm really excited to hear about this. Uh, thoughts on the game on uh, Sunday, and uh, who do you think will prevail? If you have an opinion between the 49ers and the Chiefs, so I think the Chiefs are have timed it out correctly. Meaning, now all the receivers 
have got the memo that we're supposed to catch the ball. <laughs> and the defense is showing up like they have all year. And so I have a hard time betting against the formula that the Chiefs put out there. San Francisco has been a great story at times. And they are, everybody in America knows how fortunate they are to even be in this game. And so that to me doesn't stack up well against what the what the Chiefs actually have done these last several weeks. Oh, that's which they basically dismantled who was dismantling everybody else, which was the Baltimore Ravens. And then, so I don't know. I just, uh, I think it's a hard formula what the Chiefs put out there right now to go against. All right, wonderful. Now, yeah, you, you wrote this book, uh, The Ultimate Comeback, uh, but challenges throughout your life. Please, uh, yeah, t- t- tell us about the book. Tell us about the stories and yeah, uh, yeah, give well, us some idea. Of so The Ultimate Comeback alludes to coming back from not just one but multiple situations, probably the most severe of which was uh, I lost a son, Griffin, back in uh, 2011 to a heroin overdose. And not long after that, um, my mother, um, she uh, succumbed to uterine cancer about eight months later. And around that time, my dad uh, had some untreated uh, acid reflux that turned into esophageal cancer, which was terminal from that day forward, which took about 11 years, about three years for him to go down that slide. And, uh, and then my youngest son, Dylan, also wasn't living with me at the time. And it was just a very lonely time to be. And so I, through my own good counsel, uh, shot myself, thinking that was the best way to, to go through this. And uh, it wasn't, obviously. And so now that I'm thankful for being here, um, uh, it's, this book is not just about surviving suicide or being depressed or dealing with depression or, you know, there's parts of it where, you know, I had parents that for most of my life I didn't get along with. Uh, and it was, and when I say most of my life, as a kid and how to reconcile that over the years. Um, it goes through relationships that I had with both of my sons and uh, just sort of um, a pathway really to dealing with all of that. Wow. Oh, my. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, the title is just so appropriate when you, um, ultimate, yeah, really uh, incredible story. Um, now, uh, what, you know, inside, you know, I'm sure there's some kind of other uh, aspects of the book in terms of promoting, mm-hmm. what, you know, what are some of the things you're trying to do with the book in terms of helping people um uh, try to deal with such awful tragedy and, and you know, try to manage uh, in a better way. Well, I, I kind of started to transition into doing more speaking engagements. I've done one. Uh, it went very well. And uh, the, Eric, the website I have is erickramer12.com. Um, what's going to be on there in terms of speaking engagements isn't on there just yet. Um, but it will be once the Super Bowl is over and we'll have a little more time. Maybe, you know, it might take two to four weeks to get it all implemented. But once it is, you know, that's what I really enjoy is, um, you know, getting up there and speaking about uh, some of the some of the factors that I went through. Um, It's amazing how many other people 
go through those very same things. Uh, the numbers might not be the same. The names certainly aren't the same, but the story itself is. And, uh, and so I think it relates with a lot of people. And that gives me great satisfaction knowing that, uh, you know, this is the way to go is to not stuff it underneath and instead start to build people around you. Be proactive before anything like anxiety or depression ever hit. Um, start to observe people in a way where they look like somebody you could confide in. Uh, it doesn't have to be 55 people. It could be one person, two, three. And th they don't have to be older or younger. Just mature in a way that they, that they appear to be wise to you. They're contemplative. Whatever works for you and somebody. And you could be in it, in a depressive state. That's fine. But typically by that time, you're not your best counselor, I found out. And so... But at the same time, that's also a great time to do what I just said. And hopefully you'll have someone around you that can help guide you in that as well. A therapist is tremendous. Uh, I highly recommend them. Eric. Um, so, yes, sir. Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say, Eric, it's a, it's a phenomenal story. The ultimate comeback, surviving a suicide attempt, conquering depression and living with the purpose is the full title. Uh, reading about you is is, is um, you have a phenomenal life story, and I cannot wait to to pick up the book. Thank you very much for joining us this morning, mate, and enjoy the rest of the week. My, my pleasure. Enjoy Melbourne. I hope to make it down there one day. <laughs> the pleasure. Thank you, mate. Thank you, Chief. We'll chat again tomorrow. Oh, thank you, Jordy. Yeah, and and any of you listening, uh, please take those words that Eric uh, uh, has given you to heart. Please, uh, it, it, we're talking about some silliness. Eric's talking about some really serious stuff. Thank you, Eric Kramer. My pleasure. The All American Hour back again tomorrow morning.